Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. And also joining us, as he does every Monday, is the great EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Good Monday morning to you guys. And, uh, boy, the Rangers are playing really well. What can I say? Yeah. It was a good game Saturday night, from what I make of it. It was an entertaining game. A lot of Ranger fans at the Rock. I'm sure Devil fans weren't too happy to see that, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, the energy was really good, and it was a lot of fun, and something that's kind of flown under the radar, probably because it's more of a Ranger thing than anything else. But, you know, points in 15 consecutive games to start the season for Artemi Panarin is pretty impressive, and that's yeah. the, the most in the history of the organization. Yeah, that's really impressive. I mean, he's got off to a great start. I thought he had an interesting comment the other day. He said, uh, the coach gave me a uh, new workout regimen. He goes, I don't really want to do it, but I'm doing it. And, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, if I were you, I would keep doing it because, I mean, he's played very, very well to start the season. And as, you know, players get a little into their 30s, I mean, it becomes harder and you have to work harder. It's as simple as that. So it's paying off. Whatever he's doing is paying off because he's been terrific through these first 15 games. And, and so the Rangers, even with injuries to key players, they just keep rolling along and uh, – I mean, 12-2-1 start is very, very impressive. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was just the hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's lighter. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jack Hughes' comments after the after that game I thought were interesting, EJ, just saying good teams win those games. And I think the Devils are realizing with the way that they've started off this season, coming off of the surprise season they had last year, that they are missing something. Uh, whether it's just the goaltending or just not playing up to the level that they expected to taking that next step. And I know they're out Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes just came back, but uh, you're clearly starting to see in that locker room that they're feeling a little bit of pressure to get things going here. Yeah, higher expectations for the team this year, right? A lot of people were talking about the Devils maybe being ready to take another step, maybe to win the East, maybe to be a really legit Stanley Cup contender. I mean, they've got a a really energetic uh, young team there with some high-end players, but they've had some injuries and they've had some, uh, you know, defensive woes so far. They got to defend better, and I think this all comes with, you know, a team trying to, to kind of find its way over time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen it happen with many teams that, uh, you know, the expectations get raised, and you know, this is a hard league. Thirty-two teams on every on a night-to-night basis. Everybody's got a chance to win, and and people are are looking at the Devils now. They're not taking them for granted. So it's definitely uh, going to be challenging for them this year. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, for Jack Hughes' standpoint, yeah. I mean, you should find a way to win again. They have a lead in the third period. But, uh, you know, it's still early, and they've got to just kind of right their ship a little bit and probably defend a little better and get some guys back healthy and hopefully – lean on the goaltenders a little bit more. And, and this is the scar tissue we were talking about earlier in the season, EJ. This is what builds up a championship team. And even though the Rangers are not a championship team, they've been through the wars a lot longer than this Devil team. So when they lose a Fox and, and they lose a Heedle 
and they have calls go against them like they did on, on Saturday night where it looks like there's going to be a five-minute major and it's taken off the board and a couple of breaks don't go their way, it seems like the Rangers rise to the occasion and a team that's maybe not used to it doesn't. And that's that's kind of what happens. You kind of learn from that. Rangers weren't always that way, but all the years of having to play in the playoffs and playing with injuries it builds up that, that scar tissue where it almost makes you stronger. And, and that's what the Devils have to develop right now. It's a, it's a young team with a lot of expectations on it. They're banged up and uh, they haven't responded. Maybe they'll learn from that. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I, I look at them this year. They haven't been necessarily a great five-on-five team this year. They've, they've ridden a lot on, on, on a strong power play. Um, they've just got to be better as a group, and they've, and some of the new pieces have to fit a little, a little bit better. they got to get healthier, but I just think on the whole, they need to play better as a team. I mean, they, they have, they've been a team that is, you know, that they've shown they can score and, and they can be dynamic offensively, but can they defend well enough when they have to? I mean, there's a great example the other night. They had a lead in the third period, and they couldn't lock it down, so these are the things that, you know, Lindy Ruff and that group over there, they have a really good, smart group of hockey people, and, and they understand it. And Jack said as much, in, you know, in that comment. I mean, you know, good teams find a way to win. Good teams find a way to close those games out, and it didn't happen. So uh, they've got some work to do, but, you know, they've got a lot of really good young players there. So, I mean, I think they're going to figure it out. They're going to be a problem mm-hmm. as the season goes on. Something else in the Metro that caught my eye on Saturday, Capitals beat the Blue Jackets 4-3. to Uh Two questions, I guess. One, how impressed are you with how well the Capitals have played of recent? And two, Blue Jackets, line A scratched, healthy scratch. Um, they're reeling. Um, they have not played well at all. They're 1-7-2 and two in their last 10. Um, looking like they'll be uh, in contention with the Sharks for, for that top pick. Um, just not a good season for Columbus, especially with everything that went down before the season um, with Mike Babcock. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm very impressed with the Capitals. And, you know, Spencer Carberry is a new coach there. He's never had a head coaching job in the National Hockey League. He takes over an older team. Um, You know, they didn't start off particularly great. But, uh, you know, they have found their way of late. And they're playing some much better hockey. And you got to give Carberry and company a lot of credit. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, to, to push to where they are, I mean, they're sitting there near the top of the division. It's pretty impressive. So they're finding ways to win on a night-to-night basis is what you, what you have to do. They're flying. I mean, that's a team, I think, especially early in the year when you saw them, you were like, boy, this is going to be a struggle for the Washington Capitals this year. And yet, here they are, playing some really good hockey. So give Spencer Carberry a lot of credit. They've won four in a row. They've won some important games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see if they can continue that. And, uh, you know, as for Columbus, yeah, it's a challenge. I think they have some really some good young players there in their group that uh, you know they can build around moving forward. I don't really, you know, they're not getting a lot out of Goudreau and Line A right now, and so they've been benching them. They scratched Line A the other day. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I saw Buffalo go down this path with Jeff Skinner, and uh, the coach ended up eventually getting fired, and Jeff Skinner eventually got back playing and was fine. So for me, you know, I think you know these guys are under contract. You know, particularly Goudreau for a, for a good long while. I mean, you better find ways to make it work outside of a scratch here or there or a bench. You can, I think, you could do that once, and then I think after that, you've got to turn to the next way to find a way to get those players going. Because if you don't uh, get them going, obviously, it's a tremendous waste of money for your organization. And um, you know, in the end, I think the coaches are the ones that 
pay the ultimate price because, like I said, you know, Ralph Gruger couldn't figure it out with Jeff Skinner, and right. you know, they kept him in the press box, which made literally no sense. And uh, you know, these guys have to be able to contribute for for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you know, for me, it might you might want to go the other way and really start riding these guys and giving them more ice time and trying to get them going. You got to find ways to do it. They're just uh, you're not going to be able you know you're not going to be able to trade them. And you can't just have them sitting in the press box. So for me, it's going to be incumbent on uh, you know Pascal Vincent to figure that out because you know you're not going to be scratching Patrick Line on a nightly basis. You're not going to be benching Johnny Goodrow for long stretches. I mean, mm-hmm. the other night they're in, you know they're down the stretch in a close game, and, and they have both those guys on the bench. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I just don't, I just think that you paid them. They have a, you know unless these guys just can't play anymore. In which case, you have to consider buying out, buying them out, and moving on. But wow. I don't think it's reached that point. I just think you have to find ways as a head coach. You have to find ways to get players moving. What What do you think Gaudreau saw in Columbus when he signed there? Money. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, there were other offers I though mean, that were comparable, weren't they? Well, what do we know? What do we know though? Yeah, that's true. What do we actually know about what those offers look like? You know, and where those places were. I mean, I think for. You know, listen. There was probably a lot of things that were impressive. First of all, Columbus is a, is a is a nice city to raise your family, and you could go there. I, I th- you know, I like when I've been to Columbus. I think it's a it's a nice place. So you might go there. You might be impressed by the the city, and the and the building and the and the practice facilities right there. And it's a nice place to live. So that's that's a. I mean, when you looked at when you look at the team, I mean, you knew it was going to be a struggle. I mean, I, I don't. It, it, they're they're kind of in that. You know, they had a, a, a good team. They lost a lot of pieces through guys leaving via free agency. And so they're in the inenviable path. They're trying to kind of rebuild on the fly. They do have some really good young players there. I love Van Tilly. I think some of the other guys that they, they have in their group are pretty good. But they went out and signed, you know, they signed Damon Severson to a big contract. Damon is a good player. But is he worth the kind of money they're paying him? You know, but these are the things that teams do in a 32-team league, where you're where everybody's challenged to find players that uh, you know you make you sign these contracts, and then you you know we've we've seen Damon Severson with the Devils for many years. He's a good player, yeah. But he's got there are positives to his game. Like first of all, he's a he's a terrific athlete. He's got good size. He can shoot the puck through the wall. I mean, he's he, he's got a lot of physical tools. He takes some risks during games. Mentally, I don't think he hits his strength during, you know, he'll make some mistakes. And those mistakes would a lot of times end up in the net. So, like, there's a guy. Like, they brought him in. So, like, he's going to have some ups and downs. And that's going to that's gonna be a challenge. Right now, they played Spencer Martin in their game against the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Spencer Martin is struggling to be an NHL goalie right now. So, you know, you take a team that's really, you know, not deep. That their stars are struggling. They've got some young players that are helpful players. They got some good players within their group. They can be competitive on a, on a kind of a night to night basis. But like this is a hard league, and when the goaltending is just average, and the, the defense is prone to make some mistakes from time to time, and young players are up and down, and your star players are struggling, and your coach has never been an NHL head coach before, mm. it's not a great mix, right? In a league like I said, I mean Philadelphia right now, they've won five in a row. So Columbus goes in there yesterday. Well, you know, Philadelphia's playing well right now. Yeah. And so you get behind in the game. You get you get scrambling. So I don't know what the answer is for Columbus other than patience. But I think, really, at the end of the day, 
with Line A and Goudreau in particular, I think you got to find a way to make those guys. You got to find a way to get those guys going in some way. And they've tried now to bench them in stretches and games. They've tried a healthy stretch with Patrick Line. Boy, I, I just think you got to find some other ways to get them going because what are you going to do with them? You know, you're not you're not moving them. So right. better figure it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now the other coach that could be in trouble is is, is Lambert there in uh, in New York with the Islanders. They did salvage getting you know, three. You know, listen, they did four points in the last three games of the trip. Nothing to sneeze at, but at the same time, poor third periods, blowing leads. You just I wonder how much is left in the tank for him and and what and Lou in general too. We we talked about this back on Friday, Anthony and I. Listen, Lou's great. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. But you can't keep changing coaches, right? And, and at one point, do, does Ledecky go and, and just say, is it time to just, instead of allowing Lou to make all the changes, having like major changes with Lou? I mean, are we to that point if things continue to fall apart? Or it'll just be, you know, let Lou ride until he doesn't want to ride anymore? That's a great question. I mean, that is really a great question. I mean, the Islanders had a couple of runs to the conference finals under under different circumstances, right? A bubble season and then a, a shortened season where teams played within a pod, right? And they rode kind of that uh, strong um, defensive play, good goaltending, and ended up playing. You know, they went what was it? they went to a game seven with Tampa, I believe, one of the years. So I mean, they were mm-hmm. they, they were a, a hard out. But now that we've gone back to the full 82-game season, some of the players that were part of that have gotten a little bit longer in the tooth. Um, and so it's some of the, you know, and they're not producing as much. I just look at the Islanders, and, I mean, they're just, they're in that, they're really not in a great position. I mean, they're in that 7-11 position in the league where you're, in the conference, you're not higher than 7th, you're not worse than 11th, so, you, you know, you're on a treadmill kind of. You don't get better. Uh, the cap isn't a friend of theirs right now because of the, yeah, you know, they made some signings, and you know they're kind of they they don't have a lot of flexibility to do some other things. Um, I don't think they're particularly fast up front in a league where speed is really at a premium. Um, I think they still they def- their defensive group is a, is a, is pretty good. Their goaltenders are obviously that duo of Sorokin and Varlamov might be you know they're right there with the Boston duo amongst the very best in the league, but. You know, I just I just think that uh, you know this team they need they need a little bit of a makeover up front. They need to be a little younger, a little faster, and uh, you know I don't know how that's that's going to happen when you've been trading away you know picks mm-hmm. over the last several years. So we'll see what happens with management there. I mean, Malkin is the guy that has the is the money guy there. Ledecky is the guy that's kind of the face of uh, things as you know in ownership. Lewis, they've given Lou the ball to run with for the last several years. Um, they have the new building. I mean, I, it's a great question. I just think you know they they stay afloat with the fact that their goaltenders are good and the players are, you know, the roster is good enough to be around 500. And like I said, a 7-11 team. But like at the end of the day, is that what you want to be? 
moving forward? Or, you know, do you think, like, this team, this team is not a Stanley Cup contender for me right now. When I look into the future, like, what do we see coming? So I think you have a great question. Like, what is it going to be with Lou? He has had an unbelievable career, and he came under, he came into Long Island and did some really good things. And, and like I said, they've had some success. But I, right now, you know, I just think that they're, you know, they're, they're in a bad place in terms of where you want to be in the league. You either want to be at the top, battling to win the cup, or you, you kind of want to be at the bottom and, you know, being in a position to draft and develop good young players and take that little bit of a hit over a couple of years to, to move back up the ladder. So I don't know if Lou is someone that's interested in doing that. So for the, for the foreseeable future, it looks like they're going to be in that, that middle ground, which, uh, can be a frustrating place to be for fans. And we were kicking this idea around on Friday as well, EJ. We know Lou is uh, prone to making changes when he feels like the change will help. But everything that you mentioned about the roster and not being fast enough, not being young enough, clearly they don't have the top-end scoring that they thought they would in Wallstrom. And Horvat hasn't exactly blossomed with Barzell. Uh, does it even make sense to make a coaching change? Does a coaching change even help this team, given the way the roster is and the lack of flexibility? Why put an interim coach in that situation if Lambert can kind of just ride this season out? Well, I mean, Lou is about trying to find ways to win all the time. I mean, that's just the way he's always been. And, and so even when those Devils teams were at the end of his run with the Devils, I mean, he would make coaching changes there to try to, you know, right. when those teams were kind of in a similar place. And so... Um, you might. I mean, you know, Lane is not uh, is not somebody that inspires. He's not an emotional leader. From what we can see from you know from the press box and from being around it a little bit, but you know, again, you're right. He doesn't have. I don't think he's got a ton necessarily to work with. I think it is kind of what it is for that group. They've got to work hard every night. They got to hope their goaltender plays well. They got to find a way to to get some goals. They got to hope that Barzell is you know, is, is providing, generating uh, offensive opportunity. And, uh, you know, right now, Andres Lee, it's been a struggle for him at the start of the season, so he's got to get going. And you wonder, like, when you get guys into their, into their early 30s, when the, when the production starts to slide, there is that fear that, uh, you know, this is going to be the beginning of a downturn. So we'll see if that's the case. Andres has been a great captain for the Islanders, and he's been a really good player for them for a while, but... You know, he has. There's been there's been almost no production so far, and they, they certainly need him going among others if they're going to kind of you know wiggle their way up the standings. But I think the bigger picture questions for the Islanders are the ones that are mm-hmm. you know the ones you pointed out, Don, are the ones that are more interesting for this this team. I mean, what is it going to be moving forward? So um, great games out in Sweden, some fun hockey in the afternoon and the morning. But coming out of that, some conversation about changes to the three-on-three, possibly having kind of like a half-court situation, not allowing uh, teams to to rag it back into the neutral zone, trying to make it less of a possession game. I don't know what that looks like, EJ. What were your thoughts about it even being talked about or toyed with at this point? I don't think it's a there's a big problem. I mean, you know, I, I guess some maybe this is. Maybe it's a good thing that these are the things we're talking about, right? Because I I just don't see it as as a huge problem. I mean, teams that when they possess, I mean, possession is key in three on three. When teams possess it, they go back. But when we watch these games, I mean, for me, they're very entertaining, regardless. And uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be broken, so I don't know why they want to fix it. But 
Well, we all know no, what's broken, EJ. What's broken is the fact that yeah. we have a shootout and it, there should just be ties. That's what's broken. Yeah, we agree with that. Well, oh. I, well I, I don't agree with that. I don't, Why? I, I never want ties. I never Come want on. ties. I never want ties. I, I just want, uh, you know, listen, the game should all be of equal value. That's the problem for me is that, mm. like, and unfortunately, it makes it more complicated for people who are, you know, this is a league we're looking to make it easier, I would think for fans, you know, wins and losses. Like, for me, there's two paths. The game goes to the shootout, the team wins, it's two points for them, it's nothing for the other team. It's a win and it's a loss, period. End of story. Or, you make it you make it a more complicated system where every game is worth three points. Team wins in regulation, they get three points. Team loses in regulation, they get nothing. If you go to overtime, there's a it's a 2-1 situation where the, the game is still worth three points, you know. So, uh, that's the thing for me. The regulation win would be more valuable to three points, and you get a, if you lose, you get nothing. So, I mean, I don't want I don't want ties. I think the people pay a lot of money to go to a game to see a tie. I just I don't well, I don't, and we would see a lot of them. So not for me. Well, well I, I guess my our issue with the whole I just don't like the shootout. I enjoy the three on three. Now I don't want to see yeah. the game. The, the problem I the problem I have with wins and losses is that once you yeah. kind of compromise the game to go to three on three, you, you, you shouldn't lose outright. So I don't mind having the point getting to overtime, but I'd like to extend the three on three if possible, seven minutes, eight minutes. Just cut down on the shootout because I I'm with you. I don't think the three on three is broken. I, yeah. When I'm calling games and you've called them too, I'm disappointed when the five yeah. minutes are over. Because I don't want to go to a shootout because it's not nearly as exciting as the three-on-three. Three. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, um, you know, listen, if they could extend it, that would be great. I just think in an 82-game season, ice quality, the player association, there's a lot of challenges to getting that moved beyond that. Like, do we go to a lot of shootouts right now? I mean, what's the numbers this year? It's a good no. question. I don't know if it's any different since we've gone to three on three here early, um, but I, I guess my issue like, I, I, like anecdotally, I'm not seeing as many shootouts. Now I'd have to we'd have to look and see what the percentage is. You know, of the, I, it just seems like we're not going to quite as many shootouts. No, the Rangers, the 15 games they've gone to two. Uh, I, I would if I, if I had to guess, I would think they're probably down. But I still I just don't like the shootout. And I don't mind ties. And here's why I don't mind ties. Well, we've had... yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Is that, honestly, this is the one sport, we don't go by wins, we go by points. How many points does a team have? That ultimately determines where they finish in the standings. So you can look at it and say, boy, I kissed my sister, I went to a game and I didn't see a winner. But isn't it better than going to a game and seeing your team lose? You got a point. You earned a point. You climbed the standings by tying. You got something for it. So I don't look at the tie as being that bad or that nothing was decided. Something was decided. You earned yourself a point, which which is helpful because it's more about points in the standings than actual wins. Nobody asks how many wins do you have. They ask how many points you have. Yeah. Well, that's all, it's all logical. <laughs> I, I just don't like the game and the tie. I, mean, I think if you pay, you know, you're paying $150 or $200 for a ticket. I think a shootout can be, while we maybe don't like it as a way to decide the outcome of a game, the bottom line is it is entertaining to watch. I mean, people don't leave 
They don't, they're like, well, I'm out of here. I'm not watching the shootout. People watch the shootout. We've seen a lot of great shootout moments over the last 15 years or whatever that's been since we started the shootout, I guess, in, you know, 05, 06. So, um, you know, for me, I don't have a big problem with the shootout. It would be great if we could play. It would be great if they could just play three-on-three all night until there's a winner. That would be fun because I, I love watching the three-on-three. But the problem for me is just that there's no equity in this with, you know, games where there's, you know, the games are just not all equal. Some games, there's like a regulation game is worth two points, an overtime game is worth three points. In the big picture of things, that doesn't seem to be equitable for me. Mm-hmm. So make them all, like I said, either yeah. make them wins and losses, and, which is pretty straightforward. For And again, for like, we're always trying to draw people's attention to hockey. It's a lot less complicated for someone who doesn't know anything about hockey to say, oh, you know, they have two games out. Just like in all these other sports, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it, but it, if you don't want to go that way, I get it. And but I just think that, like, a regulation win should have the value of three points. Because the other game, like, we see it. This is why the standings get clogged up is because you have all these three-point games in the mix. Now, all this said that we're all talking here, it's all great. There is no appetite from anybody I've ever talked to at the league to change this. So no. this is where it is, you know? Well, so that doesn't EJ, make it right. EJ, we have a binder. If you want to join us in on this binder, we have a lot of stuff we're bringing to Gary's attention. So we'll have to, you have to come in with us. Oh, yeah, can you get us a meeting I, with I Gary? Can you, Darren, a man like yourself, you could just walk in. <laughs> walk to the you know, commissioner's <laughs> office and sit yourself right down and, and wait for him to show up. I don't think that's an issue. But I don't think, you know, he will humor you, and then he will throw you out. <laughs> no, they love it. They, they they do love it. But the one thing that I cannot stand, and I, listen, I've got an anger management problem. You've listened to me do talk shows. I, I can't I, control I, myself. Listen, I, I, you've been I, in the room I, when these things have happened. I've been, a, I've been a part of it, yeah. Right, you've egged them on. You've encouraged it. I've tried to, I've, I've tried to set you off <laughs> right, on, on several occasions. Like yeah. a good co-host should, absolutely. Anthony's going to learn that down the, road, uh, down the line, too. But nothing irks me yeah. more. Because the one thing the NHL and hockey in general have that they don't share with maybe any other sport, maybe besides soccer in North America, and that is to you know to try to stay relevant and, and, and try to be in the conversation with general sports so the one problem i have with this whole format is when i listen to a sports update or you know it could be like i could be listening to 10 10 wins or you know some news radio that just kind of does a generic sports and they'll say uh devils beat the rangers 3-2 when the game ended in a shootout or ended in overtime you know, because you can't just give the score, right? You have to give. That's right. You have to give whether it happened in a, in a shootout and even in overtime or even in a shootout because now the shootout has less value in tiebreakers. But sometimes in the general sports landscape, and I see this sometimes on the bottom line too back in the day where it'll just give the score and then you, you're you fishing to find out, well, was it an overtime? Was it in a shootout? You don't want that either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's all part of it. I mean, like I said, we can talk about it all we want. I just don't, again, I, I, I've, I've had these conversations over many years now. There's just no, there's no appetite for the change. So, you know, but you're right. That's true. It's like, you know, when you get a scoreboard, you have to, it, there needs to be a designation. In a one-goal game, you always mm-hmm. wonder, was it a regulation? Was it a shootout? <laughs> was it just an overtime game? But I, I, you know, back to your original question, though, I think the three-on-threes have been very entertaining. 
you know, we're always tweaking things, and I guess it's good the league is looking at things, and if they feel, you know, it can be more entertaining, I guess, okay. But I think that uh, usually these coaches and teams, you know, you give them a, a template, and it starts out one way, and they figure out ways, you know. It's not going to be just a, a crazy, like every night, it's not just going to be a crazy cha- trading chances back and forth. Teams are trying to find a way to win the game, and sometimes it gets a little more tactical than maybe we would like to see. But um, many, many times it's still very, very uh, wide open. I was at the Flyers and Vegas on Saturday afternoon, and that game was decided in overtime when Flyers took advantage of a turnover and made a quick play to the net and scored. I mean, it's, I just think you're on the edge of your seat in overtime no matter what happens. Even if a team is regrouping and going back, it's just like at any moment things can happen so fast in a hockey game, especially when there's so much open ice. So Agreed. I don't have a big problem with it, but we'll see what ha- what happens with, uh, you know, with what they're looking at. Speaking of the NHL growing the game, they had the Global Series in Sweden. Uh, it was nice to see 2, 2 p.m. hockey. Uh, me and Don got to watch... Uh, Watch hockey yeah. while we were attempting to work, which was nice. Yeah, so, uh, like EJ, that. do you have your sunscreen? you have your hat ready? Because Austin Matthews wants to go to Mexico City. So, you think that's yeah, in the works I for the NHL? Yeah, I think it's probably in the works at some point. I mean, I think they should try to, you know, go to different places. In the preseason, they went to Australia to play some games. I think it's great. If there's interest there, they should definitely go. You have team. You have a team in Dallas. You have a team in Arizona. These are... Places that are close, to, you know, that are close proximity to to Mexico. So, I think absolutely, you're trying to grow the game. You should try to do that in the future. I think they'll probably look at it. Uh, I thought this, I like this setup. You know, in, in other years, they would go over to Europe and they would go to different sites and they would have two teams go. I love the idea of having four teams go to one site to play four games. Because when you think about it, like how to, this summer I was over in in uh, Denmark, and like when you get over into Scandinavia and into parts of Europe, you realize how close things are, and that was like a little hub in in Stockholm for NHL fans to go. Like if you lived in a lot of different places in that region in that area of the world. You could get to Stockholm and go to a couple of games, and it was like a little mini hockey vacation for you, and I think it's great. We've had so many great Swedish players, and you saw a lot of them that participated in these games and members of their team. I mean, Nylander was like kind of the king of the whole thing. And um, I just thought it was i thought it was way better than they've done it in the past for whatever reason. So I, I just like having the, the four teams in one spot playing a game you know, one game a day, and I, I just think it makes for a neat little hockey, um, you know, pod, so to speak, for a couple of days in a place where people can come from different mm-hmm. areas and different countries and, and, and go watch. I thought they really did a good job with it. And uh, before we let you go, you get a feeling that, you know, we'll have the, the World Cup of Hockey back and then the Olympic participation? I think at some point, I mean, obviously the biggest issue is the geopolitical scene with the Russians, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's going to continue to be problematic, it appears, unfortunately. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe there was the talk of maybe a more limited uh, World Cup-type format in uh, February of 25. I do think, I do love the idea of playing anything that you do World Cup-wise in that window, like in that Olympic window, because... 
and we played this down. These conversations I've had with you going back to when we did the radio show years ago is just like to play best on best hockey in September when you're going up against the NFL, Major League Baseball, you know, college football. There's just no room for to generate attention, in the, you know, for the for the sports fan in the U.S. But when you play in that window after the Super Bowl, there's a little bit of a void there. And it's cold weather still in many, many places in the United States. And so hockey's a cold weather sport. And, uh, you know, to have a best-on-best type tournament that the NHL would run, you know, with, in conjunction with the NHL and a, PA in a World Cup type format where they would control the venues and the start times and, and things of that nature. And you could sell it as a separate package. I always thought that was important to remember. It's not a package that you have to sell to your current rights holders. You could sell it to someone else, and that's another form of revenue that you could generate. So I, I just think that's the window to do it. Obviously, I think fans are uh, are getting eager. We haven't seen the very, very best on best now for quite a while. I guess you got to go back to the you know the the, the World Cup was in like a sixteen yeah twenty sixteen fourteen right even that World Cup they had the they had the uh, you know Europe team Europe and then they had the team 23, right, the under-23s. It was kind of a little different format, but we haven't seen that true country-by-country best-on-best probably since the Olympics in 2014, because in 18 they didn't participate, and in 22 with everything that was going on in the world and with the pandemic, it didn't happen either. So uh, I think when so many good young players have come into the league in this last, you know, X amount of time here, this, you know, seven, six, seven, eight years, I think it will be fantastic whenever we do it. I think the league and the PA are certainly looking at, uh, you know, investing more into the World Cup moving forward. But maybe in uh, February of 2025, we could see something. And then, you know, the Olympics in 26. We we will see how things play out. But uh, I think there's definitely a, uh, a hunger for those, among the players for sure, and definitely among fans as well who'd like to see it. All right, man. Thanks so much for this. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. Thanks, EJ. All right, listen, call, if you talk to Gary, tell him I said hi. Well, listen, I, I think you should be in the meeting. All right, well. I, I think you should be the I, three I've of been us. In those meetings. I've been in those meetings, and I know how they end. So just, you know. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we can change history. How about that? All right, all right. All right, all right well, thanks a lot, buddy. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, uh, buddy. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. That is the great E.J. Raddick. He brought up Thanksgiving, Anthony, and we can't uh, ignore, you know, we were talking about last week of where you are in the standings on American Thanksgiving ultimately dictate close to 80% of the time that if you're in the playoffs then, that you will stay in the playoffs. So it's Monday, and American Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday, so only a handful of games between now and then to determine ultimately who's got the best chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, and right now, um, you've got Carolina and Tampa Bay in the wild card spots in the East, with Detroit and Pittsburgh both a, a point and two points back. And you've got St. Louis and Arizona, shockingly, but 
Arizona is tied with Anaheim, Seattle, and Seattle for with 18 points in that wild card spot in the Pacific. So that's a little uh, a bit of a logjam there in the West. But as you know, as we know, there's a couple teams that have pulled away or at least gotten themselves solidified in their first place positions in their divisions. Um, but there's been a lot of fun hockey, and it's been it's been fun to watch this year. There's a lot of teams that are kind of surprising us. I think we it, it's fair mm-hmm. to say I thought that Ottawa was going to be much better than they are, and they're eight and seven, and the Ducks seem to be spunky, and they found ways to win, and Arizona has found ways to win. Vancouver looks really, really, really good. Really good. Um, and Vegas is kind of, I'm not going to say they slipped up here a little bit. I mean, they no, lost but they the were game, playing at but, such a pace that yeah. uh, you had to wonder if that was going to continue, and they've gotten bit a couple of times here down the stretch. One of the teams that has not still only one regulation loss. Bruins will be in Tampa to take on the Lightning. That should be a fun one tonight. The Lightning are starting to get going. They had a win over Edmonton over the weekend. Speaking to the Oilers, they'll be in Florida for the Panthers. Panthers have been hot. Uh, Your Rangers will be in Dallas to take on the Stars. I think this is an amazing test. Stars had a brutal loss against Colorado. Had a tough third period. They had a 3-2 lead at one point. Lost that game 6-3. But these are the teams, Anthony, that give the Rangers trouble. Those big, thick physical teams. You saw how they lost against Nashville earlier in the year. So this will be a tough test. Kind of one, It's a three-game road trip. Devils, Dallas, and actually four-game road trip. Devils, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and uh, Philadelphia. So kind of a weird trip where Dallas is the outlier. Like out of nowhere, you're flying you know, halfway across the country to play the Stars. So kind of a disadvantage for the Rangers. This would pr- be pretty impressive to me if the Rangers keep this streak alive, their 11-game point streak in Dallas against the Stars tonight. Yeah, I got to give credit to Rangers Muse on X. He said, uh, or he posted, I should say, Igor Shesterkin against the Stars in his career, 4-0-1 with a 9-13 save percentage and a 2.60 goals against average if he gets the start. Um, uh, Igor has played well against Dallas, but you're right, Don. This is a, a, a bigger team, and the Rangers struggled against Nashville. Even in Minnesota, they had their struggles um, with their bottom lines and just how physical they are. Um, the Rangers have done a really good job of handling their injuries. I find it amazing that Adam Fox is already back on the ice and skating before Filipino, mm-hmm. and Fox is on LTIR. Um and you saw it in, in that devil game. Like they did not, the the Rangers did not play their best game on Saturday. But in the third period, they found a way. That Trocheck uh, Panarin Lafreniere line continues to play well. Jimmy VC had probably the it's best game best of his line. NHL career. Um, the way he played that fourth line when nothing was going right seemed to be the one to uh, be the catalyst for their offense. Um, they're gonna need they're gonna need performances like that until they get whole. Um, and this is gonna be against a good, as we've pointed out, good Dallas Stars team. Very deep, can score kind of like the Rangers with almost every line. Um, so it will be an interesting test tonight. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well. We had a, we had somebody ask on social media about like where Heedle comes back. Where is he gonna play? He's not gonna play in the top six. He's not. You're not breaking up uh, that Trocheck line right now with, with uh, the way that the way they're playing with Lafreniere and Panarin. He's gonna have to go back and play with Kako and Cooley and that's just the way it's going to be but right now I just want to try to get him back that there could be a world in which Fox could come back before Heedle you know it's kind of scary there Avalanche in Nashville will take on the Predators Coyotes play host to the Kings Flames at the Kraken and those Canucks they're home for the San Jose Sharks Uh, so that's the schedule ready to do this again on Wednesday let's do it all right, we can do it by uh, interacting with you on Wednesday. We'll have a lot of social media presence on Wednesday at Don LaGreca or at Anthony Pusick. Hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.